You're listening to Foreseeable, a production of Globalization, the flagship digital platform of Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Each episode, we invite an expert for a conversation relating to their field of study or experience and to find out what they foresee happening in the future. We have Dr. Matthew Matthews, Principal Research Fellow and Head of the Social Lab at the Institute of Policy Studies at NUS, and Shamil Zainuddin, Research Associate at the Institute of Policy Studies at NUS. And we're following up on a recent commentary they wrote that was published in Challenges Asia about the worries over rising COVID-19 cases that they're fueling racially charged comments. And we wanted to follow up and talk a little bit more about that. Thank you, too, for joining us today. Some of the incidents of racism that have gone viral and spread on social media and garnered a lot of agitation and anger, and they are kind of upsetting videos. But I wanted to ask both of you if you think that that is signs that there's increasing racism right now, or if these are some of the kinds of underlying incidents that are kind of always been here, and they just happen to be caught on an iPhone or, or a smartphone, and, and they were spread that way. Dr. Matthews, would you like to start? First, I think if you take look at the survey data we've been collecting over the last I'd say eight, nine years. What we do see is that you do have prejudice in Singapore. You do have discrimination. You do have stereotypes. Essentially, you do have racism in Singapore. Mm-hmm. However, to see racism as rampant, something which is endemic within society, I think that's questionable. Even in our surveys, what we notice, if you just look at what minorities mention about encounters with racism, whether it is being upset because they have seen material on social media or mainstream media, which upsets them because it's it insults them, it insults their tradition, their culture, their religious beliefs. Uh, you notice about 20% would say that. So there's a portion who at least say that this happens to them at least sometimes. So that's a Certainly a significant portion, we cannot run away from that. We do know that there is a portion, maybe about something around 30%, who say that they have been experiencing or they've experienced discrimination in the workforce. So you do know that we have a context where there is a portion, uh, especially among minorities, who do face concerns with discrimination, racist acts, upset with various kinds of things which have been thrown at them. So you have that underlying. However, of course, the great majority don't experience it. So if you ask the big question, what's the level of racial harmony in Singapore? The great majority rank it high or very high. Now, among minorities, there's a few more who would seem moderate. You know, if you've got very low, low, moderate, high, very high, you'll find a few more minorities there. But still, you've got very substantial a number of minorities who would say is actually very high. When I look at all these figures, I would say we've always had underlying issues to deal with in terms of racists, those who would be bigoted, which I think for the great majority is just being ignorant about other people's culture and beliefs and practices. So that's always been there. However, what you have is in the most recent times, you've got a, of course, a pandemic, obviously exacerbate some things, things become more, Evident. I mean, people do I mean, sometimes act out a little bit. And there's also been an increased willingness to share about situations of racism. If you look at the figures we've had, they've always been about 20% who 
who have felt that, you know, they've been subject to acts of racism. It's just that they, they, for various reasons, they feel that they don't need to make that public. They don't have to put it on social media. But in the, the more recent times, you've got more people who say, hey, I want to bring this forward. I want people to know this is some of the challenges we deal with. It may not be rampant. It doesn't happen all the time, which is why, you know, this, this needs special attention. And that's why we've put it up. Shamil, what do you think? Do, do you agree with that? And do you think that it helps foster a greater communication or does it just rile people up when they see something that's upsetting on social media? I mean, surely it riles people up, right? I mean, it is, uh, it's almost like a spectacle, you know, when you see certain really upsetting videos online and, you know, what people can do is, you know, to click like or to say something about it. But I'd like to add this. I mean, the idea, while it might be 20%, is palpable, right? You can really feel it. You know, 20% is something that perhaps uh, a good number of minorities feel. Perhaps it's not like, you know, like, I would say, like, hardcore racism, you know. But it is those kind of microaggressions. It's those everyday things, mm-hmm. you know, that perhaps people, you know, small things, mispronounce your name, this, that, and everything else, speak, you know, certain different language in, in your presence. But it's just small things that kind of add up. So, mm-hmm. so perhaps social media has allowed for people to sort of air their grievances. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this idea of sharing kind of, kind of uh, helps to normalize and to make it kind of, oh, it seems okay for me to say that, you know, these things happened to me. Yeah, so I think that, 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 that is another factor to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's definitely palpable, yeah. Do you think that's a good thing that people feel more comfortable to share bad experiences that have happened to them? I think there are three points with regard to that kind of question. The first thing is listening. Whether it's good or not, I think we need to listen to some people who say they've been hurt. And and I think the uh, first thing we need to say, okay, why, why are you hurt? Let, let's listen uh, to that and, and therefore create a bit of space to allow so-called minority voices to say why they're hurt. And also to accept the fact that perhaps something might land differently on another person. We might experience things differently and it's something to take note of. And that's why we create proper space so that people can sort of, you know, be more inclusive and hear different voices. And number two is this idea of allies, right? So you might see a lot of people saying very negative thing about a particular race, but there might be those few who actually say, hey, stop, stop saying this thing about, you know, this, this, is, this, this can be quite racist, it's quite hurtful, maybe you should stop uh, saying, and, and I would like to point out, you know, like the character Merrick from that uh, interracial couple, so-called incident. Merrick seems to be an ally. He stood up when the, the, the professor was talking something about religion. And he said, you know, I will not have this. And he, you know, he stood up for us and he said, are you okay? He asked the, the, the girl, right? Um, so Merrick is a nice example of an ally. Yeah. And also it seems like it's, it's, about, it's, it's a game of definition. So if you look at the comments and, and that's what we've been looking at, we get comments, how people talk about it. There's a lot of definition. What is racism? What isn't racism? You know, you sound like a racist. You sound like a, this one. You know, so this idea of definitions, which points to an opportunity? Mm-hmm. An opportunity to, to sort of people want to find out. They're testing out what, what these definitions are. And if we sort of, you know, explore, you know, how to talk about these issues properly, then perhaps, yeah, it can be very positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the, the commentary and then also some of the studies that you already mentioned, like the IPS study that said that 60% of those polled, they were concerned about increased suspicion between people of different social backgrounds as a result of COVID-19. Does that show that there's an avenue to try and make things better, that there is some awareness that people can see that, yes, reports of the COVID-19 virus coming from certain countries may lead to greater suspicion. You know, what did you make of that of that finding? The, the poll figures just remind us how salient harmony is to many Singaporeans. It's so clear to us that there are forces which may act against the kind of harmony we want to see in Singapore. We do know 
based on what we observe elsewhere around the world, we do see instances of disharmony of pandemics further exacerbating fault lines. And as Singaporeans, I mean, the value to ensure that this space continues to be one which is harmonious, there's cohesion, that every different culture, migrants, everybody can find uh, a good living space here. Those things are very important for many Singaporeans. Mm. And so uh, when, when you see that concern that they have, that the pandemic can cause these rifts, I, I see it as a healthy sign. Mm. I see that people do know that this can happen. Of course, you know, the great majority will always say, I mean, well, it can happen to other people's actions, not mine. One more step for us to be able to look at ourselves and say, I can be the bigoted person. I can be ignorant about uh, others and other groups. But it is certainly a healthy start to that. Mm -hmm. uh, people are open. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to another finding that you mentioned in the commentary, that one in four respondents reported themselves becoming n more negative about immigrants or, you know, noticing that within themselves, including those from India because of the pandemic. So what does that mean to you that there is at least 25% of people that have that kind of self-awareness? And does that lead to instances of self-policing in, in a way? To start off with, I'm, I'm glad for 25% who probably, I, I would use the word, I'm glad for that. But to, At least it's 25%, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to, I mean, to look at that figure, there's just two ways of looking at it. One is, of course, that it is self-awareness about what is happening. The other is also that this is... It's also an opportunity for them to say, yeah, I have become more and more upset and I have right reasons to be upset with these migrant groups for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. uh, which maybe the pandemic has heightened their awareness about some of the potential flaws of migrants. And, you know, suddenly this sense that, I mean, we as a community are good, but the new guys coming in, they've got these flaws. So, I, I mean... Certainly, there is a portion that I think people are aware, and I think that's helpful. But I would also say that there is a portion, I mean, the pandemic has stoked increased negatives and sentiments among them. Hopefully, with that, when people sense that they are becoming more and more negative about a group, something will kick in that they will feel that, you know, maybe I should do a little bit more exploration, find out. I should ask myself why these why do I have these prejudices? Why am I so upset with this group? And go beyond just looking at it from the point that there is essentially a group of people who are bad, who have got uh, lots of negativity surrounding them. Mm -hmm. uh, and to look at the broader picture, try to understand, because we've mentioned the commentary, the, the, the main grouses we have sometimes are about policy. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps policies about who should be admitted, what number of people should be admitted to our country, especially during a pandemic, whether our borders should be tightened. Uh, so those might be the bigger questions, but somehow or another, that has brought also another set of upsetness and fears about a particular group. Mm -hmm. So hopefully people can be a discerning and try to tease those things apart. I just want to echo uh, Matthew's point. I think the, the major sort of point of our op-ed was this idea of, you know, let's talk about policies, you know. I mean, we, we can agree or, or disagree about the policies, but let's leave the head at the door, mm -hmm. you know. 
let's 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 talk about the policies and, and there's nothing wrong with talking about policies and the idea of awareness i think you know as they say right you you need to uh, the first step to uh, change is also to be aware right not be in denial so so if you are aware and so-called admit to your uh, issues right then something can happen with regard to recovery i mean recovery if we use a medical term yeah so so the fact that they're aware is is very promising and then we can move forward yeah you know if you are not aware that you're doing something that is the the problem actually mm. and then so it is uh, useful that uh, the people are aware yeah now you, you mentioned the importance of people speaking up and using their voice on social media if you see someone espousing a, a racist view even if you're it, one of the only ones it helps to make a comment saying no that's not right i don't believe that you know it's based on misinformation tell me more about how you feel that that matters and how does that help the situation often in social media posts you've got i mean comment after comment perhaps vilifying really a particular group and somebody needs to come in to to put some perspective and context to that now by doing that when people start to come in and say well you know that's maybe there's inaccurate facts with not being carefully thinking about it uh, what that does is that of course it raises the conscience of other people who are also uh, going through the, the set of comments or reacting many people do know what is good behavior mm-hmm. they know that it's uh, not right to just with brush i mean broad brush strokes completely wipe out a whole uh, group of people they know it's not the proper thing to do but you know that's what's emotive that's what happens when there's already quite a bit of upsetness and so when those who believe in the cause of harmony understand why it's important to respect people of different backgrounds come in and make those statements that raises people's conscience now sometimes people do fight against that they if you're the one who i mean tries to put some balance you know you you do get others just upset with what you're saying but it certainly does something to how people think about the situation perhaps somebody taking the lead to it others joining in can completely change how everybody who is reading that and and shamil is that also like the idea of enforcing social norms if people see that there's someone else willing to stand up and and yeah. that it can make them feel like it's okay to stand up as well yeah i, I think it's an excellent point i think we, and also i think it allows me to highlight the the, the number of like really you know ground up initiatives out there you know that that came up during uh, this pandemic right to help vulnerable groups Mm-hmm. but really really commendable efforts out there from translation services to food to sewing your own masks right so we see a lot of that the kind of great things and that has kind of normalized it right i mean even podcast number of podcast people are talking about things you know i mean it, it kind of normalizes it the idea of helping in fact i would like to see our own commentary as an example of trying to be an ally right to to those who are vulnerable or who are perhaps abused or hurt and you know and it it goes without saying that you know even us saying this something in commentary also we would get you know the two of us got some kind of uh, negative comments online you know about you know, perhaps our own background or race or whatever and and we were really happy when that few people right mm. actually stood up and say hey you know matthew shamel is okay matthew shamel you know sorry for you to to feel that way mm-hmm. uh, and it's great so because if someone let's say someone is abused and you kind of you know keep quiet right you know the the person who's being abused might not uh, uh, appreciate your silence right? yeah you might meet that one person who says hey you know uh, shamil 
ignore this thousand and one people you're okay you know just just checking up on you you're all right hopefully mm-hmm. yeah so so it matters and maybe like what Matthew said which is a great point another person might come in and say yeah hey you know stop bullying this person but the important mm-hmm. thing is is that you know let's not go into personal attacks mm-hmm. right let's 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 keep it to the facts right, right. Yeah. and and were there any other specific ground up initiatives that you wanted to talk about that you thought was a really positive sign one thing during the whole pandemic you realize uh, how much ground up work among migrant workers mm-hmm. and i mean now now migrant workers i mean there, there are many other issues revolving around treatment of migrant workers and protection for them very often migrant workers are of a different race i mean we do know that many of those are dogs of south asian backgrounds for instance and you know that's i mean many singaporeans i think chinese but yeah there were all kinds of outpouring of interest of care all kinds of provisions done to i mean to perhaps better the lives of migrant workers mm-hmm. so you you do see people trying to counter what could have been the racist response then to say well you know they deserve data is because of their culture that's what why so many of them infected by the virus but no many singaporeans stepped up to to help yeah yeah moving from ground up interventions to government or policy interventions during times like this where there's an extra pressure from outside like the pandemic that could be causing more problems uh, is there anything that the government has done or or could do i think for one this idea of allowing you know podcasts and stuff right, to to happen you know number of workshops webinars that are happening at this period of time and you know without much i would say without much censorship or you know it, it, it's is 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 fantastic right people are talking about it in a very peaceful manner and i think that is there is probably a good policy maybe you know the is i would say perhaps a calibrated kind of a, a move straits times talked about racism the other day but five pages of it you know um i think it's a good sign to allow this kind of conversation and perhaps to to maybe intervene when it's a bit too much when people are getting hurt yeah so so i think maybe the policy would be to allow people to talk a bit more i, I would say right from the start if you look at it from a government comms perspective it probably has come up from either ground sensing efforts very early in the pandemic as early as when visitors from china would come in and there were i mean there were concerns about them people used the term wuhan virus and uh, began to have feelings about migrant chinese in singapore you really have various attempts by the state to try to uh, speak about the issue remind singaporeans that the virus does not have a nationality and ethnic background and share the harm all of us who live in this island so that communication came out very early of course with that there were a lot of opinion pieces there were different kind of statements so there was a there was a very intentional effort to remind singaporeans those who live here that there is good behavior that we can demonstrate during the pandemic mm-hmm. we need to leverage on social trust because if we don't have social trust then it's harder to get through the pandemic so you had that mentioned throughout the period and during the periods of xenophobia there were several times where mm-hmm. xenophobic reactions were stoked during the pandemic and you do get um, the government to come out to say these are not actions which are acceptable now of course we don't want only the government to speak or the state to speak and i mean the ground up bodies should make this clear but i think it is very important from a government communications point of view that there's an effort to 
bring out. I mean, just recently, some of the more racist situations have even seen the prime minister come up and make a statement that some of these actions are just not acceptable within our country. I think that's important. It 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 clearly puts out to Singaporeans what is expected in life here. Mm-hmm. I just I, I just wanted to add this uh, idea of the government and and people in general recognizing essential workers as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the period of time we saw, you know, and and this has a nice um, implication with regard to the idea of meritocracy and everything else because these are people sometimes uh, would see at so called the bottom of the ladder, vulnerable groups, whether delivery riders, and now they are essential workers, people helping us move along and survive in this period where, you know, that itself is, is signs, uh, to me at least, sends a, a clear message to those people out there that there's some kind of gratitude you're kind of recognised. Of course, we can do more, but this this pandemic has allowed us to give more credit to those who probably, where credit is due. Yeah, so because we are at home or in offices a day out there, right, delivering our food and, and whatnot, and of course, nurses every day. So so I think that itself is, is, is important to note. And internationally, what about things like at the World Health Organization choosing Greek letters for different virus variants to try and move away from calling it the Wuhan virus or South Africa variant, things like that. Does that does that language help? I, I think it's, it's, it's a good start. People might say, oh, yeah, this is like really, you know, a small thing, just change the name. No, no. But but I think, you know, as we all know, labels matter. Mm-hmm. Labels matter. And, and unfortunately, or, you know, people have been labeled certain things and others have acted upon those labels and it can hurt. So, so this sends a nice clear signal that, uh, you know, let, let us think before we label others or, you know, paint the entire group with a brush in a certain way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's how stereotypes happen. And we saw how, you know, Wuhan virus and Indian variant, you know, it, it is, it can be hurtful for, mm-hmm. for some of these people. Yeah. It is so much better. That, that when we just label them in alphabets, delta, of mm-hmm. different Greek alphabets, so much better. It itself may not completely remove all the xenophobia we have seen in more recent years or recent months because of periods that come from different places because there's already been a tradition. We started off calling this the Indian mutant or South African. But, but hopefully all this will help us be better prepared for the next pandemic that we will careful and lay some potential traps Very good. Well, finally, I would like to ask both of you how you would compare the Singapore situation to some of the other instances of racism and anti-Asian sentiment in places like the United States or or France. Some of the anti-Asian actions that have been happening in some parts of the world, I mean, I have been fueled by lots of rhetoric about, I mean, for instance, the virus, the place, the origin of the virus and locating in Asia. And I think that has not helped. And of course, much of that rhetoric comes with a lot more conversation. Just the fear of migrants, how migrants are upsetting uh, the status quo in many cities, bringing in new culture, new practices. But maybe more fundamentally, just they become an economic competitor. And when your rice bowl is affected, you get very upset. And so it's really a manifestation uh, of those who are perhaps nativists or Others with very, very strong feelings that Asians have have, been, have gone beyond their shores and are trying to economically dominate different places. And then, of course, then the reaction is one of eight to try to keep as many away from this particular society. So that's been, that, that, that's very sad. I'm very, very fortunate that in Singapore, that kind of metric is not accepted. In other places, based on notions of free speech, uh, you can get into very long, substantial discourses, blaming particular groups and saying all kinds of 
very nasty things about them. Fortunately, the laws here uh, do stop that kind of thing. And, and, and this is a place where you notice that perhaps you do need some limits to potential freedom, especially when that freedom causes you to, I mean, rant and be bigoted and hurt a, a large group of people. I, I think in the Singapore case, there has been that protection because you don't have, for instance, a very far-right, anti-immigrant type of rhetoric, which has been allowed, and that's been taken care of. You cannot have you know, public expressions of it, at least. So, of course, you do have people commenting on social media and being upset, but it doesn't get, for instance, into mainstream media. It doesn't get into a day-to-day discourse. Political parties, I mean, generally don't use such uh, rhetoric. So, we're fortunate in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, that's an important distinction. We've been living with each other in this super diverse island, right? One of the most diverse islands or countries in the world with relative harmony compared to any other country, I feel. And during this period of time, we see how we sort of help each other or talk about each other or say, hey, let's not talk about this kind of thing for another person. And I think it's great. But we also need to say this. There are perhaps people who have been hurt Right by immigrants, migrants, and 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 one, and they feel hurt. Probably they, they face a rude a person who from a you know non non local born person. They have been hurt, and we're not trying to say we're not trying to diss them. Right? We're not trying to say, hey, you're lying. All immigrants are great. No, they are rude Malays, rude Indian, rude whatever, rude people in general. Right? We're just saying that perhaps the the sample size might be a bit small. I know it's left a, a bad taste in your mouth, but let's not paint the entire population. We're talking about billions of people with one stroke, right? And to make it even uh, more easy to understand, we would not want other people to paint us that way, right? Based yeah. on one interaction by another person, we want to paint the entire population that way. I just want to say to those people who have been hurt and everything else, let us not uh, paint an entire population uh, with some kind of negative uh, brush, right? So let's talk about policy and not so much uh, people. Very good. Th- thank you. I think that's really well said. I think that's a, probably a pretty good place to end it. I, I want to thank both of you for your commentary and for the work that you're doing in this area. And yeah, I hope that people can continue to learn and discuss and be allies and that we all live together happily here on this diverse little island. So thanks everyone for listening and I appreciate it. Goodbye. If you'd like to subscribe to the Globalization newsletter, look for the link in the description or find us on Facebook at Global is Asian. Global is Asian.